that dessert was heaven. What do I mean when I'm talking about what's most likely Trace Leche's cake? I'm saying that that dessert was delicious. That dessert was perfect. That dessert was just well-crafted and satisfying. You ever heard someone say, I almost died and went to heaven? What are, what are they saying when they're saying that? They're saying something so good has just happened, something that was almost too good to be true. Uh, it, it's, it's conveying this extreme joy, this extreme happiness. And so when I say the phrase, heaven is, what would you fill in the blank with? So fill in the blank. We have, we have a look. Heaven is what? Heaven is a good book. Heaven is a good cup of, what would you fill in the blank? Coffee. Heaven is, thank you, I want some talk back here. Heaven is what? Sitting on a porch while it's raining? What is, what is heaven for you? Heaven is? Good sleep. Good. Sleep. <laughs> good. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Heaven is winning an argument. Uh, <laughs> heaven is what? Anyone? March Madness. Uh, like so far away now. Heaven is what? Anything? Anyone else? The beach. Freedom. Nice. Yes. 75 specific <laughs> degrees. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you want to write down what you think heaven is. It's something to think through. Um, Today, Jesus is having his upper room discussion with his now 11 disciples. Um, And he had just last week, we just found out that he was telling them that one of them would betray them, that that Peter would, would deny him, and that he himself, their leader, who they've left everything to follow, is now going to leave them. And so you, you would imagine at this moment that their hearts are troubled. If you, you guys know what it's like to have your heart be troubled, right? It, it feels, it's not just like something bad happened. When your heart is troubled, it feels like you're, you're lost at sea and that any second a new wave is going to come and it's going to hit you, whether it's, it's another mass shooting or whether it's another unexpected life event or another medical emergency, or another bill, or another whatever it may be, another fire to put out, you feel like your heart is just troubled because there's so much to worry about. You don't know what to do with it. And I think what we used to think about this is we used to think, okay, well, I, I, I used to think of the, these times in my life as seasons. I had the season of anxiety and stress. But I no longer see it as seasons anymore. I see it as like the ice age. That I'm just in the apocalypse of stress and anxiety. And it's in that moment when you are feeling that troubled that Jesus is going to come to you and says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's what he does to the disciples here. Jesus is comforting them a couple days before he's going to get murdered. So when they should be comforting him, he is comforting them. And he still does that to you today. And so to you who are troubled, he promises you comfort, and his comfort is heaven. It is perfect. And whatever we think heaven is, he tells us this. Heaven is a place, a path, and a person. Heaven is a place, a path, and a person. And so it's a place, 
Um, so sometimes when, when, we, when we tell someone our worries and our fears, they, they, they dismiss them. You ever said that to someone? You've told them your worries and their fears, and they're like, you're blowing this out of proportion. Okay, that, 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 that would never happen in here. Like, that, that's not what we, we don't believe that would ever come to Waco, Texas. And you get dismissed. But for the disciples here, who are fearing the loss of their leader, and who are also possibly thinking about what this means for them, if he goes away, and Peter denies him, and he, they're betrayed, will they survive this? So there's probably a lot of turmoil coming up in their hearts. And, and you shouldn't just say to them, oh, you're blowing it out of proportion, disciples. Oh, cheer up, buttercup. That's not what we would say to them because all of the disciples get murdered. All of them get martyred except for John, the author of, author of this book, who himself is left alone on the island of Patmos, stranded in prison. And so I don't think you can just dismiss these fears. You need to come to them, and this is where Jesus is saying, let me come to you in this time when you actually have real fears, real concerns, and he comes to them in verse 1, and he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And so the first thing that we need to see is that heaven is a real place. It's a real place. There's this, this house with many, many rooms. It, he's very clear about that, that heaven is this Father's house with place with many rooms. And so two things that God does when he creates in Genesis 1, he creates what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So very clear, he creates the heavens and the earth. Now that, that's, that's referring to everything in between as well. It's, this, it's saying everything on the extremes. I've created everything from the heaven down to the earth and everything in between. But it's clear by him saying, I've created the heavens, that I've created heaven itself. It is a place. You can think of uh, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 too. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. You ever paused on that one and been like, third heaven. <laughs> I hope I advanced to that stage. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like a, what, what's happening there? But, but in, in the Jewish literature, the first heaven is what's referred to as like where, the, where God separates the atmosphere uh, from the expanse there. The second heaven is when you think of, when you think of the galaxy and the stars and outer space, you know, when I look at your heavens, what is, what is man that you're mindful of him? Uh, but the third heaven is what is referred to as the dwelling place of God. Um, and so it's, it's a place. And now place is a powerful thing. We need to have a theology of place, I would argue. Place is a very powerful thing. You don't believe me? Why do you spend so much money on your place? Like, how's, <laughs> the housing market right now is just crazy. Like, if you sold your home now, you probably wouldn't be able to buy it back. It's that wild. Like, isn't the air I breathe on one part of the city the same as the air I breathe on the other part of the city? Like, why does it matter? But we care so much about our homes. We, 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 just, we just care about them because it's our place. It's ours. We love our homes. They're our homes. They're my stuff. That's where <laughs> we love it. And one of the great curses that came out of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden was that they became homeless. And psychologists will tell you that there are few things more destructive to the human psyche than homelessness. Like when you don't have a place, you don't have a place to return to, to come back to, a place that is safe, a place that is familiar, that impacts you. 
I mean, for some of you, you guys realized this deep truth this morning when you walked in the doors and someone sat in your place, in your pew. Anyone brave enough to, to raise their hand? How annoying is that? Michael's pointing out someone. Isn't that wild? If you've been coming for a while, you kind of typically, I see where you guys are at. You typically have your spots where you're at. This is your spot. Isn't that wild? <laughs> you're like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> I see where everyone's at. You're, you're in your spots. We do that because it's our spot. And you're like, that's my safe zone. That's where I know it's familiar. I, I know where the exits are, right? <laughs> right? We, we prefer our place because it's ours. I challenge you next week to find a new spot. You're not going to do it because we have a theology of place. That's okay. But we all long for that. We all long for something that's familiar, something that's ours, that's not just anywhere. It's got to be ours. It's got to be home. And home is where you can be yourself. Home is where you, you are wanted. It's an open door. It's a feast at the table. It's a place to belong. And so it's a place where you're expected and welcomed and cherished And this is why foster care is so powerful, because we all long for home, and kids are not made to sleep in the CPS offices. They're meant to have a home, even if it's a temporary home. It's a powerful thing to remind them that they have a place. And so in this moment here, Jesus senses their fears and says, don't worry, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm giving you a home, and it's in my Father's house. Like, isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Like, we're being invited into the king's home. And in that house, there are many, many rooms, it says. Now, the King James translates this and says that there are many, many mansions, which we kind of like that idea, right? (laughs) There are many, many mansions, and we got flat screens all over the, even in the bathrooms, like, (laughs) you get your own Downton Abbey, right? No, 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 no. That's not what it's saying there, because it's in the Father's house, it's a singular house, in many, many rooms inside of that house. And, but what I used to always think about this was Jesus saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I always thought of it as this beautiful image of Jesus just like, like making the bed and, and cleaning up and vacuuming the rug. And I was just like, there's just like this picture of the hospitality of Christ. Um, and it was like a warming feeling. You're like, I like that. But then the, the flip side of that is like, what is heaven like before we get there? Like, is, it in, is heaven just in disarray? <laughs> like, have you, if you've ever come to my house, when you visit is not what it is <laughs> 10 minutes before you visited. <laughs> right? <laughs> the two are completely different. <laughs> I love having people over because it forces us to clean. But, like, does that mean, like, heaven is just in complete chaos? As, as Faith described our church this morning, thank you, Faith. <laughs> like, what is Jesus going to go clean up and prepare for us? But that, that, that can't be the truth, that heaven is, is in that way. Because as we said earlier in our service today, uh, that those who have died and who have gone on before us, that uh, in the blink of an eye, they're in the Lord's presence. They're in, they're in his, his, his presence. And so it's not as if they're living in chaos now. They're in glory there. Um, But what is being prepared? And that's the good question. And so heaven is a place, but it's also a path. Heaven is a path. 
the path or the way to get to heaven at that point had not yet been secured yet. Had not yet been secured yet. Verse 4, you know the way to the place where I'm going, Jesus says. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? <laughs> and I just love this passage because I just John captures some of the most honest and comical moments uh, in, in the, the conversations here. You know, Thomas is like, Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, so how are we going to know the way to get to where you're going? It's as if you told me, hey, after church, we're going to go to my parents' house. I'm like, great, send me the address. And you're like, oh, you know the way. And I'm like, I don't even know your parents. How am I going to know the way? That's what Thomas is saying. Like, this, make this make sense, Jesus. This does, not, this does not make sense. And so Jesus responds in this moment in one of the most important Bible verses, I think, in the whole Bible. And so if you want to star this, to have a Bible memory verse, this is one that is commonly used. It's from John 14, 6. Jesus said, answering them the question of, how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus is saying, I am the way to heaven. I am the truth that you will hold on to get there. And I am the life, the eternal life that you will enjoy when you are there. And when I say I go, go to prepare a place for you, I mean I unlock the way for you. I'm, I'm making the way possible for you to get to the Father. And so heaven is a place, and it's the Father's house. But you know where else that phrase, the Father's house, is used in John? In John 2, when, when Jesus comes into the temple, and he says, you've made my Father's house into a marketplace. And he overturns the tables, right? He's going into the Father's house, the temple. And so when he talks about the Father's house, he's talking about the temple. The temple was the place where you met God. And so it's this place, but it's this path to get to God. And so Jesus is saying, I am the way to heaven. I am the way to this temple. I'm the way to be in the presence of God. And I'm preparing a place for you in my Father's house. I'm preparing a place for you in the temple of God. And I'm unlocking that temple so that you can have access to the Holy of Holies. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus would soon make a path for our eternities forever to be in the presence of Yahweh. That Jesus said, I will be the sacrificial lamb. And he's showing this compassionate death in our place moment here. He becomes the slaughtered lamb and he offers his life in place of yours. It is a beautiful moment here. So to, for, if you're wondering, like, does the Lord love me? If your heart is troubled and you hear, I have made a path for you to come into God's presence. This is the comfort for our souls. And that's, for those who, who want to hear it, that's what they're hearing is comfort. But another way to hear this passage is, if you're a skeptic, is to go, there's a lot of this passage that is just very unnerving. Like, there is a lot that you are saying here, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. I mean, that's so exclusive. Sure, I'm fine if God is a way, a truth, but you can't tell me that he's the way and the truth. That's, that's just very egotistical of Christianity to, to claim. And that, <laughs> there's actually a lot more about this passage that, that offends our modern sensibilities. I mean, like one of them is just all of this talk about death. We've been talking about death quite a bit today. Um, <laughs> Ernest Becker won a Pulitzer Prize in 1974 for his book, The Denial of Death. 
He's not a Christian, um, but he's talking about the denial of death and that we as a culture, we as human beings, develop these strategies to fend off our awareness of our impending death because we cannot live with the reality that's right on the edge of the, um, on the other side of this wall, that death is so close that if we were to actually think about it, that eternity is just right around the corner, could be one little slip, and <laughs> we're now dead and we're in eternity forever. Like if we, had, if we had that awareness all the time, we would go nuts how close we are to that. And so in his book, he talks about all the ways that we deny death. Is that something we, we struggle with today? I think we do. That's that eat, drink, and be merry mindset. That's just, I'm going to live as if this life is all there is. This is the YOLO mindset that you only live once and let's make this life as good as it is. As good as it is. And so this, this, pass, this t- passage is offensive to us in one sense because it keeps talking about death and life after death. And if there is a life after death, then I have to consider, am I going to that? And then John 14, 6 says it's the only, he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. And you're like, this is starting to feel a little more egotistical, a little more cynical here about this. But you know what? Jesus is doing here, Jesus is saying, I am the way. There are not many rivers that lead to the ocean. I'm I'm, I'm throwing that out. I'm throwing that out there. (laughs) I know you don't want to talk about death, but it's coming. I know the news cycle wants to move on so quickly after death, but it's coming. I am the way, the truth, the life, and I'm going to squelch any of this talk of multiple ways to get to God, and this is the path, and the path is if you want to get to God, you come through my sacrificial death. I am dying in place for you. It is out of love that I'm giving you this option. If you want to come to God, you've got to come through me, and we interpret that verse as, this, as if Jesus is the door that we have to get through, something that we have to like begrudgingly get through to get to God, We almost treat Jesus like a flight attendant, and we say, just show me my seat. Any seat will do, and any flight attendant will do. I just want to get to God. And one, (laughs) we don't treat people that way. But two, what we don't realize is that heaven is not just a, a place. It's not just a path. It's a person. It is a person. Heaven, the truest form of heaven, that the essence of heaven is the, is the person of Jesus. To get to heaven, to know God, is to know Jesus. That's what it is. Like, look at verse 8. We're like Philip in many ways. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That, that will be enough for us, which sounds like a good request, Philip. Way to go. <laughs> show us the Father, Jesus. But then Jesus says in verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? <laughs> oh, poor Philip. <laughs> it seemed like a, a de- decent request. And Jesus says, don't you know me? You've probably had this happen to you before. You've said someone, you've told someone your name like five times and they still don't get it. And you're like, don't you know me by now? It's even worse if it's someone you know that you, it knows you deeply. Someone who knows you deeply and then they offer you a food that you're allergic to. And you're like, you know I'm allergic to this. And you're like, don't you know me? Oh, it's a painful reality. And Jesus is saying to Philip, don't you know me? How can, we say, how can we say we love God when we don't even know Jesus? 
Like, I, I think there are many here who would say in our world that we love God, but we don't even know who Jesus is. We don't even think we would like Jesus. How many friends do you have? How many close friends do you have? We have a lot of acquaintances, but friends, people that truly know you. If you, if you want to know someone, you have to, you have to get personal. So if you want to do that, the, 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 however it happens, let's say it happens here at church. You meet someone, you say, hey, let's, let's, let's hang out. Maybe that's how it works out. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you go and you talk and you share information with each other. Hey, tell me about your life. Tell me about where do you work. Tell me about your hobbies, your activities. Tell me about your, your family. You learn things about them, and that's step one. But over time, as you start sharing things with each other and you start realizing, I can't trust them, then you start sharing deeper things. Step two is where you start to share some of your fears, some of your vulnerabilities, some of the things that, 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 that lift you, some of the things that you, you think would just crush you if you trust them. And if you're willing to trust them with that and they're willing to trust you with their stuff, then together you guys now have this relationship that's personal. You know someone deeper. So let me say it this way. You can know things about someone without really knowing them. But you can't really know someone without knowing things about them. Does that make sense? So you can know things about someone without really knowing them. So I can know facts about you. I read them on the internet. But I, I wouldn't say I'm able to know you if I don't know anything about you. And the same can be true said for, for Jesus here. You can know the Bible and not know Jesus. But can you know Jesus without knowing the Bible? Like, would Jesus surprise us? You're like, oh, he said that? Oh, I didn't realize that's the God I'm worshiping. Like, that's what we've got to start to see. We're missing a lot of this if we're, miss, if we're passing up what Jesus, who Jesus is. And one of the key truths that Jesus tells us about himself is to have a personal relationship with him, to, to have that type of intimacy with him, is to know that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And so this is critical, that he is in the Father, the Father is in him. And so if you want to be in God's presence experience Jesus. If you want to be in God's presence, experience Jesus. Oh, what is beautiful about this passage here is that it's showing us that heaven has come to earth. That heaven has come to earth. And so what this passage is debunking, it's debunking the myth that heaven is this only future reality. That I, I, I want to look to heaven in the future, that I can't wait till I get to heaven Philip and everyone else here are starting to wonder, like, what's heaven going to be like? And, and Jesus is saying, don't you know me? Don't you know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That if you want to get to the Father, you can experience it right now? Like, heaven is both future and present. Because the Father dwells in the Son, and the Father and the Son, by the Spirit, dwell in the Christian. You actually have access to God's house now. The house of God that he's prepared for you, you can dwell in now and you can have access to God. Like that's the, that's the wild thing. Tom Wright says it this way, Christianity is not about going to heaven when you die. Let me leave that up there for a second. Christianity is not about going to heaven when you die. Like that might be a, a shock to some of us. Going to heaven is not the goal of Christianity. Like... If that were true, then what is the hope Jesus is offering to his disciples right here? 
everything is going to go away, all is going to be, all is going to be bad, but don't worry, just wait till heaven. That's not what he's offering them. Like, if that was true, then what's the point of making any progress and any, doing any good works here on this world? If, if we're just supposed to wait to heaven, then why don't we just let this world burn up and move on to the next life? Let's get on to the good place. That's not the way it works. <laughs> Instead of whisking people off to heaven, the direction is the other way. And God is bringing his dwelling here on earth. And so rather than escaping to God, God will one day come down and restore and renew all things to himself. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> a new heaven and a new earth is coming down to this earth. And what has been broken will be restored. I mean, you can see things around our city that are broken. And you can go, that's going to be restored. All of the traffic on, the, on I-35 is going to be restored. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> It's, that's, that's what happened. God's going to come down. He's going to remake everything. What has, been, what has been broken will be unified. And God will wipe away every tear and make all the sad things come untrue. <laughs> and what we pray in the Lord's Prayer is that as it is in heaven, so it be on earth. That <laughs> as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're praying now, Lord. Now would you start restoring and remaking this world. Our hope is that heaven has come and is going to dwell and break into this world. Let's go back to verse 3. Verse 3 says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to go. I'm not saying come to be with me in heaven. He says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to you. And I'm going to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And so that is our hope, brothers and sisters, that you and I can truly be in Jesus' presence now. We don't have to wait till heaven to be in his presence. Like, we can actually commune and be in Jesus' presence now. And so all those fears and all those concerns that you have, he, he will hear them and he will do something about them. And so is your, is your soul troubled this morning? You can come to him now. Like that's the good news right here. Literally, you can take the comfort that's offered to Christ in your presence. It is a place that you can go to where he is today, a place to call home. He is a place to belong to. It's a, it's, a, it's a person who longs for a relationship with you, or it's a path because of what the, that he's paved forward for you, that his death on his cross, and it's a person who longs for a relationship with you. And so the message of the gospel is not that you can go to heaven when you die. It's that you can be with God now. You can be with God now. Let me pray for us.